Hey guys, it's Andrea, and welcome to Trekkie and Beyond. This season, we are hanging out in the lower decks. Are you excited to see what shenanigans they get up to? Because we are. So stick around and enjoy. Hello and welcome to Trekkie and Beyond, a Star Trek podcast. I'm Monika. And I'm Andrea, and welcome to episode 10 of season 4 of Lower Decks. It is the season finale, people. We get our answers. This title, this episode's title is Old Friends, New Planets. Or, actually, I don't have a subtitle for this one. Do you have a subtitle for this one, Monica? No. Okay, <laughs> so no subtitles today. It was a good episode. So this episode is all about where we left off from episode nine. Mariner faces her past in the season four finale. A past of like when she was really like, when she was like a boimler. She was a Boimler, people. Old friend's new Boimler. We have a new title. <laughs> Monica, what is your initial reaction of this episode? Overall, I really like the season arc. And it was a fun, fast-paced, action-adventure episode that included risks, self-sacrifice, love for each other, Sharita Strong. <laughs> so- <laughs> Real strong. <laughs> yeah. And oh my, I mean, like, we saw a lot of connections in this episode. We'll go further into depth, I'm sure, in our uh, season review. But we have an acting Captain Boimer, <laughs> which <laughs> I didn't think I would see here. So it's that. It was a lot of, like, just, just a lot of connections. What did you think about this episode? I enjoyed it um i for when it comes to star trek season like wrap up the finales when it comes like to a whole season arc this one wasn't bad um i still felt like they could have done a little bit more but it wasn't bad um i did like the ending i did like that we got to see again a glimpse into a manner's past where she wasn't just being disruptive where she was being like a true starfleet cadet that we never really got to see her as um so i did like that i like that we got to see different people show their strengths we got to see tindy sort of show up a bit we saw well a lot of it we saw rutherford sort of like show up where he was we saw boimler show up so it was nice to see all of those actions of like people of our lower decks coming into their own um and it was nice to see cerrito stand up for mariner and like nor like at the end of last uh, season three we saw mariner come back and save cerritos and it was interesting to see cerrito save mariner so um i liked it it was sort of it was good i was i was i expecting just a tad bit more yes i was expecting a bigger grand finale but i did like it yeah now i'm thinking about a subtitle maybe the subtitle could be cerrito strong Cerrito Strong, yeah. (laughs) Um, So this episode, uh, we get to go into a little bit of Mariner's background. We get to see who Nick Lorca is to her. Um, We get to see Mariner really truly act like a Boimler before she lost her friend, which is very interesting. If if she never went through that trauma, who would we have? (laughs) We would have two Boimlers. Would they cancel each other out? Nah. So... She is like following around uh, Sito. She is like excited to be in like the Starfleet world. And we see that Nick is a very pompous dude. 
almost though is very interesting. His like personality is sort of how we've seen Mariner. Very confident. They can do this. We're the best. Um, don't worry about it. Let's just go ahead and run head first into this issue. And Mariner sort of copies a lot of his like personality after she lost us a, a Saito. Sito. You know who I'm saying. Yeah. Um, so it was um sort of interesting to see that see see her before the trauma. And then we also get to see like Wesley when like, you know, after Deep Space, no, not Deep Space Nine. Um Next Generation. Thank you. Next generation. <laughs> we get to see him. Um his him animated, which is pretty cool. Um, and then we see another person, Joshua, who was sadly died. So pour one out for the homie. Um, <laughs> but what did you think of the opening scene of like what of that quick little intro into who she used to be and then who she looked up to? Yeah, so it was like a flashback. And earlier you mentioned that uh, we were introduced to um, to Nick Lorca. And mm -hmm. that's an interesting slip because well, sorry, Lacrano, Lacrano. Right. Yeah. But he is kind of like that inside bad guy, like Lorca. <laughs> <laughs> so where my mind went, people. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's in um he was expelled from the Starfleet Academy, and we find out more about that and really his motives behind why he's going on this power spree mm -hmm. <laughs> to kind of take over the galaxy all by himself. Um, um, and he wants a, a unified front, but really we find out deep down inside is all about him. Yeah. Um, and he's a narcissist through and through. Yes. Yes. And it's, it is a, um, kind of an old trope of like, what's going to be our senior class prank. Yes. And he was planning it and other people were along for the ride and it just went terribly wrong. And it seemed like he tried to cover up and to the point in which Starfleet expelled him, and he could not get over that for decades. Cause he could not, he could, he could not accept that he did something wrong. Right. And, oh, it's like so frustrating talking to those people. It's like, just accept it. Like, you don't have to like it. Just accept it. Just admit it. You don't have to like it. No one said you did. Um, but it's also interesting. So we see uh, Mariner's father, I think, for the first time this season. Okay. Um, I don't remember seeing him really. Um, and him and Captain Freeman are both uh, basically ready to go ham to go save their daughter because she was kidnapped. Um, again, I love the fact that I guess she changed a little uh, enough where people were like, she didn't go with him willingly. This was a kidnapping. And Starfleet is ordering them to stand down from saving their own daughter. And it's like, okay, you can order me as a captain, but you can never order me as a mother. Like, <laughs> um, it was nice to see that Captain Freeman, again, a complete change, a complete uh, 180 from season three of she kicked her own daughter off the ship to... I'm gonna go defy Starfleet orders to save my daughter. Like this is this is not up for debate. Like I don't care. Um, I like that she put out a, like a whole channel to everyone. Was like, look, we're gonna do this. I'm going. You you don't have to do it with me, but this is about to happen. Um, and we get the whole team. We get the whole ship. It's like, look, I'm down. Let's go ahead. Let's do everything we need to do to save her. Um, what did you think about like just? I guess for me is more about the 
the change from season three of how they viewed her to now how she is, like how how much of a valued person she is, um, even though she keeps going back and forth if she wants to be crazy or not. Uh, <laughs> but what did you think? Oh, it's a big season arc for Captain Freeman. Uh, one thing I do want to know before going down further into Captain Freeman's season arc is our, our character evolution um, is really about Admiral Vassery. So I kind of looked down at him after the uh, the episode with the Ferengis from season four, episode six. I was like, come on, dude, stand up. <laughs> and so... Um, Have some self-respect. <laughs> yeah. And in this case, too, like, you really don't think that two powerful Starfleet officers are not going to go find and search for their daughter? Come on, really? And you're not going to stand up for your own? We know that this could start some ramifications, but they've gone out on risk before. Um, so be smarter than that, Admiral Vassery. <laughs> and, uh, so... I would think that he would try to work together with them to try to find or or bring in another ship, bring in a strategy for him just to tell them to stand down. I was like, well, th that's a stupid request because that's not going to happen. <laughs> um, and then something that else was sort of interesting about like his failure in the sense of because none of the ships were in the Federation. Um, he was like an attack against them would like start a war with one of the planets. But those people mutinied against their captain. Like they weren't in good standing with their plan, like with their, with their planets and with their personal or their planetary organizations. They literally kicked their leadership onto a planet that no one would ever find them on. Like no one was ever supposed to find. Like they sacrificed their captains to death. Like because they they were expected to eventually die on that planet. My assumption is because you know they were trying to kill each other. Um, so you weren't you weren't firing on a Romulan like ship that was still within the Romulan empire. They had removed themselves from the Romulan empire. Why was he not like, why was that not stated or said? Like I didn't, I didn't get his, like his like standing down part because they weren't a part of their own organization anymore. They weren't, they had already mutinied against it. So I just seemed like it was just another way of he him making dumb moves, thinking he was the one in charge. Right. I, I, I'm still trying to, to understand this part. So the, all of these ships were captured and kidnapped. And those that wanted to defect join Nick, right? Yes. And yes. then those that did not want to defect were left on that planet. Yes. And it was like mostly most of the captains were left on the planet. Right. And then Nick accidentally was able to bring Mariner in because she was on that planet. Yeah. Right. And um, otherwise it wouldn't have been part of this like whole perfect storm <laughs> opportunity. And he was like, oh, I know her from the past and uh, she'll align without even really debriefing with her or testing it before he went on the, uh, the broadcast and stated that she would share her insights about this struggle sadly this the the reason i feel like the reason she assumed she would be in on it is because history dictated she would have been <laughs> or like 
when people run like scenarios or something and they plug in all like the important points of someone's life and everything, it probably did dictate she would be on your side. But like, he didn't know about her like final come to Jesus moment, which hopefully will seems like is actually going to stick this time of why she is, why she was the way that she was. Um, so it's very interesting because it's like, yeah, you're not, you don't stand for that now, but history dictates you probably like two years ago, you definitely would have been like with him or like not, or, or you would have understood him a lot more than you do right now. So it's like, uh, you can't change your history, but you do have to sometimes live with it. <laughs> right. And this is why it's important to meet with your allies before you put them out on the forefront, because he was just going off, off of the reports that he had. He had met her, um, but they hadn't really developed a rapport, and she was much of a junior class compared to, to him at the time. But then he just read reports about her. And so, yeah. as you stated, people change. People change, people grow. Um, and it's, you never know who you're going to meet. Um, but Nick's whole thing is making the Nova fleet because, and I find the whole thing just so stupid in the sense of um, it doesn't make sense to join him. And that's what I mean when I say it, I find it so stupid. Cause it's like, you're leaving one organization and joining another, but you're all in no, like they're, I have never met an organization where everyone was like on the same level, like organizational wise that worked out. There always has to be someone in charge. That does not mean they can, they always have power over you, but like if there's 40 people and 40 people want to do 40 different things, nothing ever gets accomplished. So someone has to be in charge, even just to say, we're going to do this today or put things in order. And let's say you do all do all 40 things that everyone wants to do, but how do you, who dictates what order it gets done in? So it's like, that doesn't make sense. Like you're just angry. Like you're just angry. It does not make sense to follow him because he doesn't like it. He gives maybe two, three weeks of you guys. Like once everyone finds out about you guys, of you guys just surviving. But anytime People who are not in power try to steal their own power, don't understand what it takes to actually be in power. And like, I was like, dude, you're just, you're just butthurt. And that's why you are trying to have this Nova fleet because someone has to be in charge. At the end of the day, someone has to make the decisions. And if you leave it, not to say the democracy doesn't work, but even in democracy, there's people, you vote for people to make the final decision. Like you can't have 40 people at the helm. One person's at the helm. You just left one dictator for another. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> what did you think about his concept of like the Nova fleet? <laughs> well, I agree with you. There needs to be some sort of structure and it's well, it has to be well-defined. And then also naturally Ferengis are geared towards Latinum, the money. And then like everyone has their, also their cultural background that they bring to this. And how do you then balance all seven of those cultures together? If you don't have some sort of rules, <laughs> some sort of like uh, hierarchy within that. Um, it also, they're at, everyone who deflected has a big risk because you can't go back to your home planet 
after you defend. After you deflect. So, <laughs> so you either have to be all in or don't do it at all because yeah. um, there's no, you can't just put your tippy toe in yeah. and <laughs> expect this to work out for you. And I felt like the Romulans were in that situation. Yeah, um, they were. It was like, do you want to go back to your home planet after you've like mutinied against your your captain oh no we can't do that sometimes it's like that saying the devil you know versus the devil you don't stay with the devil you know because at least you know what to expect and and sometimes that is a really horrible like it's like i don't want to go into the unknown because i don't know what i'm going to i don't know what i don't know um but in this case you should have just stayed with the devil you knew because like you you went from something that was uh, organized, had like roots, had understood understood what was going on. Like you could move up, you could like figure things out. But sometimes like starting up a new startup, that's why they're so risky. Because you don't know what you don't know. You don't know if it's going to last a month. You don't know if it's going to last three years. And not to say it's not. Not to say that um, things wouldn't like, it, if he had did this in a more smart way, maybe Nova Fleet could have been one of the new amazing things. But the way he started it was just like, you you don't know. Like this was this was never a smart plan. And even Mariner was like, "This was this is dumb." And when they're all like you mentioned earlier, like when they he would when he did this um, system wide transmission, and um, Mariner was right there. He's like, "We have someone from Starfleet, a lieutenant from Starfleet, to like tell you what she thinks." It's like, "Yeah, um, this guy's dumb. His plan is stupid. Like, don't listen to him. Run." And like anyone. When you get out of your like, when you get out of your anger and you actually think about what's going on and you weigh the pro and cons, I don't think anyone would have made the decision to follow him. But it's like, oh, you get wrapped up in emotion, and then a group of people are like, oh yeah, it now becomes a mob mentality. Let's join him. What did you join? Do I have? Where's my four hundred one k? Like, <laughs> <laughs> how am I getting paid? And I don't want to get paid in love. Bills need money. So, like, what is what is the whole structure of Nova Fleet? Or are we just mad at our captain for the day? <laughs> I think they thought the grass was going to be greener on the other side. And the crossover, they thought this force field was going to protect them. Little did they know. And it didn't. It won't. And then what was the point of the force field? Because, like, I get that it was keeping people out. But, like, was it going to move with you? Because... Otherwise, you're just trapping yourself into a system. Like, I think, like, there's only so much in that system that you can, that you can um, explore. So you go from having access to all of space to just a system. Like, I get that. Like, it's like saying the milk is like, you don't have access to the Milky Way. Milky Way is huge. Like, so <laughs> there is, there's, there's a lot here. But when you have every single system access to, to then only having access to the Milky Way, why would you agree to that? Like, I don't know. Yeah, that's puzzling because uh, I, he has to start small yeah. because it's just really him. And he doesn't have, when he first started, he had no power, right? So um, I guess they thought it would be a starting point And from there they would grow. Uh, but really how much power and influence would they have over the rest of the Milky Way, uh, the rest of the galaxy? Yeah. 
So let's ignore that area. <laughs> like, okay, they have that system. That's cool. Um, we have everything else. <laughs> right, right. And you know how we could travel everywhere else? We are we get to travel everywhere else. So have fun. Like, yeah, you won you won that little plot of land. That's great. We're going to explore the rest of the planet, but enjoy that one plot of land. Yes, because you right. totally taught us. But, you know, I'm going to go to the beach today, then the mountains tomorrow, and I'm going to go here, and then I'm going to go there. But enjoy that section of grass. Like, that's that, to me, that's how it felt. Like, when I saw the system, I was like, you are limiting your ability to travel the world and the universe for what? <laughs> right. The only real power you have is the bomb. Yeah. And then when that exploded, it's not like it, it, eliminated a big resource that was needed like all the lithium or something like that yeah. so <laughs> i mean obviously the galaxy continued even after the bomb exploded so it's um so getting to the bomb because that part was funny um so when mariner takes the ship to like escape and like try and get away from everyone um she takes the bomb with her so that way she can like he so nick can't use it against anyone else and when she realizes that she can't get away, that there's nothing she can do, she's like, I'm just going to detonate the bomb so that way he can't use it against anyone else. Um, and the interesting part is, I don't think she had a way of getting away. Like, I think she, like, I don't know if she did. Because I do know when Nick came in with, like, the phaser, the gun to, like, shoot her, she was like, we have to leave. The bomb is, like, de detonated. But before that, like, she, you were already on an escape ship. Did, was there a mini escape, escape ship? <laughs> so, like, Mariner, were you prepared to, like, go down with the ship? If you were, I'm proud of you. If we're totally missing that and we missed something, let us know. Um, but it's interesting when uh, she's ready to, like, lay down her life. Her mom comes in, saves her. We're going to talk about that, how they did it in um, another part of the episode. Um, and Nick tries, like, I'm going to defuse the bomb. And then the Ferengi, always wanting that money, put a paywall on the bomb. <laughs> when that happened, I just busted out laughing because that's just like greed to like greed to the greediest to the greediest. Like I, oh no, I don't have two. I don't have two pieces of latinum. Like who are you paying? Like who are you paying the bomb? Because like, where does the money go? Like that. Like, are you paying the bomb not to explode? Because, like, where is the money going to be magically transported to the person who created it? Like, I'm so confused of just, like, the pure greediness of them. Because, like, no one was going to be able to pay that money, use that money, except the bomb. So wh what are we doing? <laughs> well, the paywall was to prevent the bomb from exploding, right? So maybe yeah. then... It would go to someone and maybe like relay as like Bitcoin, like some sort of. <laughs> it has to. It has to. Because why else? <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure the Ferengi that built that was like, I have the last laugh at this one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm on both sides. Someone paid me to build it. And someone's going to pay have it stop. If you change your mind, you got to pay me to stop. Um, but going back to, uh, rewinding to the, cause you know, this episode was A and B plot to the B plot or the A, what are they, the other plot, um, 
we see that after Captain Freeman gets ho- the whole Cerritos crew to like, we're going to go after Mariner, we're going to defy the orders, and we're going to do this. I want, I would have admitted, I do admit, I would have liked Mariner's father to somehow get there. I don't think there was a way for him to get there in time, but it would have been nice to see him like also join Cerritos and be like, we're going to go save my daughter. Um, so that would have been nice. Um, but two, it was very interesting to see how everyone was sort of pulling from their own strengths to do it. So it was nice to see that Tendi going back to her home planet was like, Captain, you ain't got no power here. This is what this is what we're going to do. We need this ship to do this, to do X, Y, and Z, to go and like bomb the border so we can get through the um, we can get to the through to the system. And when the captain's like, oh, I accept that. And she's like, nope, I command barter by combat. Um, and then how like Tendi sort of knew everyone's like strengths and weaknesses, even though I have to admit the way they should have won, they should have won. It was nice seeing how like Shax and like the other security guy um, and like uh, Ransom were all getting ready to like, we're going to go rumble. We're going to beat this person down. Um, and then she picks Dr. Miglimo. And because he was fluffing himself up and like the other person had like really bad allergies, it's like, did you not move to the left or the right? So you wouldn't have gotten smashed. Like you would have won. You should have won. Like that part was sort of just like ridiculous. And I get that you had to set it up. So Tendi's story can continue on, but still really, really, really. I was thinking, why didn't Tendi tell Dr. Miglimo this like before going down to the, the fighting rink area (laughs) like in the pregame like as you're kind of toughing each other up like after making a strategy he's like well why was I chosen like whisper in his ear I wish we would have seen that kind of scene instead of like waiting until he's in the middle of the battle to to tell him to fluff his feathers yes it's embarrassing just that (laughs) um and with the Cerritos losing they have to give the ship to to the Orions and Tendi does something that I, I honestly was not expecting her to do this. I really wasn't. I was expecting her to like battle her sister or something for like the right to the ship. But she's like, you know what? I'll come back. I'll come back to the family if you give us the ship. And the sister takes it. And I was not expecting that. If anything shocked me in this episode, like I actually had to pause when she said, I will come back. You want the mistress of the winter constellations. I. Did not see that coming. Did you? I did not see it coming and my jaw dropped at the end, um, which we'll talk about soon. But I was also thinking, come on, Captain Freeman. You were just in an episode where you talked about reading the fine print with the Ferengis. Work out the fine print with Tendi for this negotiation because they should have gotten... A working battleship. Yes. And the ship was not working. And Tindy promised herself to go, promised that she would go back to her family for a ship that never worked. Um, and this is when we get to see That's what, a big sacrifice. Yeah, big sacrifice. Because she loves Starfleet. Um, but I'm sort of going to get, we're going to get into why I'm a little okay with her going back. And like, when we talk about that part, hopefully I remember. So, but we get to see now Rutherford's uh, time to shine when he's on the ship. And we see him going against his like rival of them. Like, we need to do this. No, we need to do this first. Well, all the systems are related. And then it goes back to an earlier episode of the season of them Mark Twaining <laughs> to come. <laughs> 
I can't even get it out because I was, I was laughing so much. Um, of them Mark Twaining to come to a deal on how to actually get the ship up and running. And Monique, your face is like, was exactly how I felt. I was like, are you, do we have time for this? Like, exactly. <laughs> like, time is of the essence right now. We shouldn't be on the holodecks. <laughs> and I love how Captain Freeman was like, how does this keep working? And, um, to Lynn is like this sheer absurdity basically is why it's working. Like it's, it's, why does this work? <laughs> um, so we see them. Begin- and my girl Talit of all people recommended this. Yes. Not Boimler. Yeah. <laughs> like Talit, come on. <laughs> this is not logical. <laughs> so we're seeing Talit becoming more and more a part of the ship and like more and more becoming starkly and not, not something she's using it as an actual real experience and not as a way station until she can go back home where she wants to be. So it's nice to see that she's like starting to like learn and remember things at the same time, honey. Could you not? Could you have not made the executive decision that like we're going to do this part of his plan, this part of this plan, this part of his plan, and this part of his plan? Break, go. Um, and so then it was a little bit of a like, um, it was a little bit of like a almost red herring type thing when we see that Boy- when Boymer's in the captain's seat and we see that Captain Freeman is on a different ship, but we don't see what ship she's on. And we think she's on the battleship and like about to crash into the um about to crash into the this uh barrier. Um I was like, oh my God. Oh my God. Like what just happened? And then you see the small little ship, Captain Yacht, going right after. He's like, Oh, I feel like maybe that was just me. Maybe I just assumed she was on the battleship because I figured that you would have to steer it in. Um, did you think she was on the battleship or did you know she was on a different ship? Am I just slow? It's okay if I'm just slow. I don't know. I didn't catch it until I saw acting Captain Boimer. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it was um it was very it was nice to see that like only the higher ups were the ones who actually defied the orders and went through. So it did sort of protect everyone else on the Cerritos in a sense. Um that all the leadership because sometimes like the higher you up, the, the higher you're up, the more you have the more leeway you have to not get in too deep of a trouble like if the ensign mess ups you're off but a captain can get knocked down so it's like they have more they have followed to follow to fall further to fall <laughs> in the sense of they can get demoted versus just being kicked out of starfleet um and so it's nice to see like all the leadership went she saved her daughter and then they got out of there um i definitely I didn't really know how they were going to save her when I was like, when like she was kidnapped, I didn't know. I, I was, I was probably, I was expecting a little bit more in the sense that when he did this, the system wide channel and was talking to all the different, like um, people of different races, the alien races on different ships. Um, I thought we would have more people from Mariner's past to try and come and help save her. That's what I was thinking. I was thinking we would have like her best friend who's a captain showing up with her ship. Um, her friend who's the archaeologist showing up with her ship. So I that, that's when I said earlier, I, I liked it, but I was expecting more um, because they had hinted that he was saying this to system-wide people and Mariner was on a system-wide channel saying, don't listen to him. Um, he's crazy. Save yourselves. That more people would show up to save her outside of Starfleet. 
And I was, that's the part where it was sort of lacking for me. It was like, oh, no more people are coming. Oh, okay. And that was the part that was just sort of just weird to me. I agree with you. I actually thought that her father, the Admiral, was working behind the scenes to get uh, some other way, other people involved. But I guess he has, like, he can deny all culpability and maybe Freeman looped him in, but he was like, I I just can't. (laughs) We just... We both can't get fired yeah. over this or something like that. We have bills. Um, we need that for one day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I like you. I, I was thinking there was going to be more people. I also thought that maybe they were going to loop in Rutherford's. Um, what was that called? That um, that device that he was inventing to. What was it called? The. The grappling hook that he was working on. I thought that that was going to be used in some sort of way um, in the, in the rescue mission. Um, So, I mean, I'm happy that Mariner survived and that she was saved, which yes. Um, I just expected a little bit more. It would have been nice to see maybe Wesley show up um, because we already saw him at one spot. So it would be great to see him. Like, I don't know. It just, it just, it wasn't bad. I was just, the other season finales have sort of made me expect more. And this to me didn't really seem like a full season finale. You know, it would have been really cool if the, the, the Klingon in the last episode that she befriended, that she became like good friends yeah. with, who then became the captain of the ship. Cause he was like, I'm the captain of the ship now at the yeah. end. This is my ship. <laughs> because he killed the previous captain and in Klingon culture, then you become the, the new captain. If he was looped in somewhere. Yeah. Like it just, it seems like there wasn't enough of people trying to save her in this episode. So that was like the thing that was just like, oh, everyone didn't come save her. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Um, but maybe it also shows that now the Cerritos, who was thought of as like a weak ship, like and weak leadership, that they are actually really strong and they should be at like, um, at a higher level That's true. and thought of more seriously. That is true. That is very true. Um, so then we come to basically the last scene. We see that Talon gives up going back to the Vulcan, um, Institute, uh, her Vulcan, like the ship, she's going to stay with uh, Starfleet. Um, and she tells Tindy, we're going to be science BFFs. Um, we see that uh, Captain Freeman did not get reprimanded because she opened up a line of negotiation with the Orions, which has never been done before. Um, but then we see that Tindy is actually being taken. Um, she's going back to her home planet with her sister. They sent the ship. And the reason I am okay, like I'm sad. I am very sad. But, like, I'm happy that Tindy is not going back the same person she was. Because the Tindy who came to Starfleet was, like, embarrassed to be in an Orion, it seemed. Um, that she wasn't okay with everything that she had to do to survive and become, like, the highest daughter of the fifth ranking syndicate and, like, on Orion's planet. Um, it wasn't a... She was, like, she was almost embarrassed of, like, her past. And now she is... When she's like, you got this. And her entire like face changes. It's like now she has accepted 
that she can be both the mistress of the winter constellation and who she actually truly is, which is this happy, bubbly person who, yes, you can't be like that all the time, but like she's, I feel like she's more of a whole person going back to the Orion world versus someone who is like trying to distance herself from her past in the sense of don't be embarrassed of where you came from like that. Everyone, every, no, no one can choose where they're born. You, we can just choose the story we tell and what, like we, how we live our lives. And I feel like you, being embarrassed of where you were born, you couldn't control that. So why be embarrassed about it? You had to live, you had to live on your planet. You had to do what you had to do to survive. And now you are who you truly are. And so I'm, I'm excited to see what we'll see from her in season five. She better be back in season five in some way, shape or form. That's what I'm just saying. She better be back in season five in some way, shape or form. What did you think? Yeah, she can go on and she could, her character could become, could become like an ambassador, could grow in lots of other ways and maybe help the Orions join the Federation. They'll have to do some course correction later. But um, what I'm concerned about is that like, I could already see that Rutherford misses her. Yeah. Right. And, and they were a really charming, just duo Mm -hmm. together. Um, And so it'll be interesting to see that dynamic. I know that to Lynn had also become very fond of her. So all of a sudden you have these connections and one chippy person is no longer part of the team. And I'm, I'm hoping they'll not try to like fill her with another person um, because that's going to be hard. And then also when Boimler was uh, acting captain uh, upon a rewatch, I noticed that the Delta crew um, was also on the, the on the deck. So basically the lower, the primary lower deckers and the Delta lower deckers were on the bridge helping Freeman and the rest of the team. So it shows that like they're growing together and all of a sudden now we're going to have like, I don't know, part of this Cheetos strong team. Thank you. Not in, not possibly not in every episode. And yeah. we're used, I'm used to seeing her there. So it's, um, yeah, it's like bittersweet. Cause I feel like this is, like, weirdly, don't ever, if this happens, I will be so sad. Don't ever think I want this to happen. But, like, this feels like if this was a show ending, it would be appropriate in the sense. Um, because, like, they're technically no longer Lower Deckers. I don't want this to be the end. This I better I better see more of this show. Um, but the way this ended, it ended with them almost not being Lower Deckers anymore. Because none of them are ensigns. And even though, like, they're at the lowest grade lieutenants they can be. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean they're like they have their own rooms. They're not sleeping on the lower decks like that. So I'm just I'm interested to see where this will lead for season five. Um, and what are we going to see moving forward? So I'm excited. I liked it. It could have been a little bit better, but I think it was a good season finale. I agree. If there was more to it if they gave us a little bit more meat then maybe it would be like enough for a spinoff but i i don't see that yet mm-hmm. um and i have faith that somehow because of the look that they the last scene we had attendee looked like she was up to something oh yeah <laughs> she's taking over she's taking over because the thing is she's better than her sister 
she's better. So she's going to outwit her some mm-hmm. sort of way. So any last final thoughts before we end this episode? Uh, I thought that this episode really showed their communication, their sense of family. Uh, we're all in this together. Um, there was a reflection time with Mariner and Nick in which she stated that um, don't let anger define you. Mm-hmm. And so I'm hoping, hoping, hoping for those that can't see me right now, I'm crossing my fingers that she has evolved <laughs> and, and it's going to take her words to heart and use that to help move on um, and, and grow in lots of other ways. But that's what I'm looking forward to. I'm looking for um, more evolution of her character. Let's learn these lessons and, um, and take the position seriously. Yeah. What about you? Um, I, 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 like I said, I had wished it was a little bit more in this episode. Um, because I feel like season three's ending, season finale was just like, so I was sort of expecting the same thing. Um, so I, but I am, it did leave me wanting more. It did leave me understanding that if I didn't get more, it was a good ending, but it still left me wanting more. So I'm I'm excited for season five. I'm not over the show. I'm not like ready for. It's not like another Star Trek show where it's just, where it's just like, oh god, come on, just help work with me, please. <laughs> um, for those who are listening, find the YouTube. Monica just rolled her eyes at me. <laughs> um, because yeah, um, but I think it was a good. It was a good. It was a good season finale. It did wrap up all the loose ends. I just would like just a little bit more that was it so if there's nothing else as always i'm andrea and i'm anika and live long and and prosper hey guys it's andrea check out my book ometry's magic it's about olivia london an unbound magical who lives in dc when the owner of the shop where she works is murdered by a cult She's thrown into the underground coven system she wants nothing to deal with to stop them before they kill again. But the more she tries to uncover, the more she learns that she didn't want to know. Read this and many more at arwbooks.com. Again, that is arwbooks.com. Hi, it's Benika again. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of Trek It Beyond. This week's podcast was sponsored by the subscribe button. By using the subscribe button, you will receive notifications when new episodes of Trek and Beyond are released, and your podcast app will add the episode to your playlist. Best of all, the service is free. Try it out. Subscribe to Trek and Beyond, a Star Trek podcast.